0: podcast. Today, you'll hear directly from four singing artists who were the very first members of our Civic Engagement Quartet here at Pacific Opera. My name is Rebecca Haas, and I'm the Director of Community Engagement. I'm thrilled to share with you insights and stories from the artists who were part of this innovative program for emerging artists. What is a Civic Engagement Artist? Well, it's an artist who uses their art form and their skills in their field To play an important role in shaping community. Their art is a catalyst for creating relationship, which includes traditional spaces, the concert hall, and non traditional spaces, like the pop up opera program we ran last summer, where you would run into singers in market squares and parks and playgrounds. A civic engagement artist is there to engage, and their work is based on giving what is needed by a community group to be of service. This may be new to some, but I want to tell you this is an exciting and beautiful landscape for an artist to honour the values that they live and living it through their art. But you don't have to listen to me. Our four civic engagement artists will be sharing their journeys in this podcast. They'll be telling you what it means for them to work in community and how they're unpacking and figuring out how to move from a sing-and-tell, the old educational outreach model for a singer, to engaged conversations that are inclusive and serve a community in a way that is meaningful for them. Integral to this work is empowering the opera artists to be more than voices, to give them an opportunity to trust their artistic instincts and gain confidence through self-producing their own pieces. This artist program included several different kinds of creative projects that empowered singers and gave them permission and space to show up as fully creative people, beyond their singing voices. If you know that singers are training to make a beautiful and perfect sound and aspiring to careers where they travel the world, you might wonder where I found artists who wanted to be involved in community, and I discovered them through a non-traditional way of auditioning. Each one in their audition material was asked to provide a sample of their singing, of course, but also a statement about what working in community has meant to them. I wanted to bring in artists who already had a civic practice that they were engaged with. The four artists who make up our inaugural civic engagement program are Charlotte Siegel, soprano, Simran Clare, mezzo-soprano, Caden Forsberg, tenor, and Micah Schroeder, baritone. Over the season, their faces have become quite familiar locally, virtually, of course. Charlotte worked with us from Toronto, Simran from Vancouver, Caden from Montreal and Edmonton, and Micah all the way from his new home in Berlin, Germany. They worked with our local community in many ways. Some examples, through mentorship conversations. There was a pilot program we ran for music students at Esquimalt High School and with two youth drop-in groups at the Intercultural Association. They shared a day in the life of a singer with the Royal BC Museum at Home project and participated in a few online programs with the Greater Victoria Public Library. My favourite was this past April. It was Poetry Month and the singers were able to share individual videos where they read the poem, talked about what the poem meant to them and then shared a recording of them singing the poem. Along with working in our community virtually over Zoom, each four-week residency also included an artistic project. In the fall, the Civic Engagement Quartet had four weeks of intensive training in devised storytelling, acting for film, and mentorship in musical video creation. They were supported to find a personal story they felt compelled to share through song and images. What resulted was a kind of music video, and each one of these, and they're all incredibly different, all share a directness, And honesty, and I found them all quite beautiful. It meant that the singers were more than the voices you heard. They were called upon to be creative directors, making storyboards image by image, selecting the music and having final say over every piece of editing. They were also in charge in their individual cities of finding the space to record, the pianist, the videographer. They also had to shoot their own rolls of film to use in between the recital video shots. They had timelines, budgets, they were producers, and they were artists. You can see their work on our website, pacificopera.ca. The program is called Music Alive, and I encourage you to check out all their works. The second four-week residency focused on training in community service and song. Audio only. The songs I asked them to choose were to be songs about land. I'm recording this on La Land and when I offer a land acknowledgement, I'm aware of the thousands of years that Lekwungen people have stewarded this land. I'm a visitor here. I understand from the teachings that I have heard that their relationship to this land is key to who they are. As we work on ways to walk a path of reconciliation with Indigenous peoples, how can an artist enter into this journey in a good way? The Quartet worked with three Indigenous mentors in workshops and private coachings. They involved themselves in a process of reflection. What if you started with your relationship to land, before you practice the music. What if you approach the music through an Indigenous worldview and set of values? I challenged the singers to drop their get-it-right-and-produce-perfection approaches that they had internalized from years of training, and I dared them to trust their musical skills and to release their inner artist to step up and interpret the music fully from a different place. Here they are in their own words as they think about what they hope for in this project. What was at stake if they change their process, and how were they defining success?
1: Approaching music this way, as in approaching it from, let's say, like a topic or a theme or something first, and then the music second, uh, is somewhat different and and unusual rather than, these are the pieces, let's approach them and then make something out of it. Um, This is a, here's the idea, here's the, I don't know, attitude or posture, or in a larger sense the community we want to engage with now let's talk about the music it's a it's a different it puts the reverses the process kind of puts it on its head and i would say i'm like very open to it and kind of welcoming of it especially now when the whole world of the performing arts has been thrown so into turmoil and the traditional way we've done things is the most impossible right the big main stage orchestra chorus soloists Uh, form of creating art is the most impossible. So um, I think it's exciting to use this time when we absolutely can't do what we're used to, to challenge um, even the fundamentals of like what comes first in opera. Is it music? Is it repertoire? Or is it something like land and people and community? And first and foremost, we're loading the process, this process with Um, conversations and workshops with people from let's say different types of creatives from different communities right from indigenous communities from people of uh, people who are people of color and trying to get a very diverse way of looking at land that is not necessarily even reflected in in some of our our music right but to look at how many different ways can we look at land and then do our pieces translate into that and if they don't is that something we can talk about and instead of diving straight into musical coachings it's discussions and workshops about the relationship to land and then about how art relates to land and then music coachings
2: so this is yeah this is different even how we're talking about taking more time with the process of learning music i I think that's why i got so emotional because i needed that moment to say just be and i constantly need to be reminded of that and the permission to take time and to think and not always be reactive for the first time I think I'm trying not to have a specific end goal I think I'm trying to just see what happens as we were talking about be in the moment see what I'm inspired by and not have any expectations and just see what what whatever will be will be okayrahha <laughs>
3: It is exciting and it is um, a little bit nerve-wracking to feel feel like I'm not doing anything, to be so hands-off and to say like, yeah, I'm just sitting here like sipping my coffee, listening to inspiring people talk about the things they're passionate about. So there is that kind of like (laughs) capitalistic mindset that I have of like, why aren't you doing something? I also am really liking it. I'm finding it a more... I don't know, almost more organic experience to sit back and listen and then respond from there. I would love to be able to feel kind of a channeling as I'm producing kind of the final product, so to speak. I would love to really feel a very deep connection to the reason that I'm singing in the first place, to really see the land to see what I am saying.
4: Part of what made the first pro- project so awakening for me was that we didn't know what the answers were. And there was no way to know the answers really at all. And I had to like just surrender myself to that. And during that time, it was, I was able to totally do that. Since then, I think I've struggled to surrender. <laughs> but having that opportunity just showed me that I, I definitely can do it. I can. I can surrender to not knowing and tap into my instincts and my
0: perspective and trust that. There were three Indigenous mentors, Lindsay Delaronde, Sarah Rude, and Bradley Dick. I asked the artists, what surprised you about your time with these mentors? Here are three of the artists with their reflections on this, Simran Clare, Micah Schroeder, and Charlotte Siegel.
3: I would say the most surprising thing for me has been, I guess the way I've been able to adapt to this like (laughs) process-based process, (laughs) as opposed to like the the product-based mindset that I'm used to. Um, It's come so naturally to me. I'm like, what have I been doing this whole time? It's been hard, but it's also been really lovely is the... The opportunity to reflect on my privilege and especially as a settler on this land. Yeah, that has been something difficult, but also necessary.
4: But I've also been trying to just lean in and not always think I have to have an answer from what do I take from it? You know, because we've been taught that's been a theme that's been emerging that this sort of westernized perception that we should take something from something. I should experience something and I should, I should get something from it. And it feels like even just saying those words out loud, like I should take something. It's like feels so <laughs> like I'm a thief or something. You know, I talk about like connecting with the song because they're like the Canadian landscape. And I think our our experiences working with the the indigenous mentors has really opened my eyes to like like just the way really they talk about like we do the land acknowledgement like also as a way of like respecting boundaries and like, so I always feel like, oh, that's like my, like I think of a Canadian landscape and I, sometimes the vocabulary I use is like my home, my, like I'm connected to it. It's like my, like as if I possess it or something. And then when I'm thinking about the songs and the, and the way the sounds evoke the poetry to me, it's like shifting from a feeling of like nostalgia to like A feeling that, like, for while I listen to the songs, while I experience the songs, I get to, I'm, like, borrowing the meaning of the land or something. It's not, like, for me, but it's, like, I'm a a (laughs) co-experiencer. That land is an entity in itself. It's not, like, for me exactly, but, like, I have been blessed with the gift of experiencing that land and that texture of the air.
2: Mm. What surprised me was my inner battle with some of my ways of thinking um, in terms of maybe approaching a class or a session, I'll say, and thinking about what am I going to get out of this session? And maybe, and not leaving with an answer, but maybe more of a discussion or an experience. And I think I put up a little bit of a resistance at first and then completely had a mind switch after the Bradley session. He spent almost an hour of the session just talking about himself and his history and getting to know all of us and slowing down. I was like, okay, so it's not about what you will get out of something it's about the shared experience and I think yeah it took me like that week to finally kind of embrace that and be like why does there always have to be an end goal to something or like a solution or okay I have an hour so what am I gonna get at the end of this hour you know what I mean but I'm very much programmed like that sometimes it is just about connecting to a new person I think that's what trying to do with community engagement and building a relationship. It's not about the product.
0: As well as the music project about land, the quartet worked for several classes with Taiwo Afolabi. He teaches at the University of Regina and he specializes in devised theatre and socially engaged creative practices with diverse communities. And how does that translate to opera? Here is Simran Clare with one of her experiences in a class after her work with Taiwo.
3: I went to the Intercultural Association's Culture Catch-Up Drop-In, which is for like new immigrants to Canada between like 14 and 18 years old. And the level, they told me that the level of English speaking was going to be quite varied. But I, and knowing that I, like, I thought I knew what I was getting into. But then when I got there, there was really like very vastly different English levels. It ended up being okay. Like, Yeah I tried to focus on connection rather than education. Talking about like the care using how composers use each voice type to portray different characters and I started off just like playing music for them and asking them like how does this make you feel? Just like anything I played like acoustic guitar and like EDM and random stuff and everybody was able to express like how each song made them feel and through that I went into like so composers look at voices that same way like they can portray different emotions and then kind of went from there yeah it was fun I really didn't want to start off with like listen to me singing but at the end they did want to hear it they were just curious I think and so they asked in our little like question session at the end if I could play something that I've done (laughs) it was nice that that part came about organically I think
0: is there a moment or one interchange or exchange in that class that stands out to you
3: there was one boy in the class and he his name was actually the same as my brother's name he asked me like whether I play harmonium because he plays harmonium and like what kind of music I listened to like at he because he my name could see that i'm Punjabi and he was Punjabi as well and so he asked me like what kind of like if i ever listened to Punjabi music and who are my favorite singers and it felt really nice to do that yeah to really connect i left feeling so like uplifted you can feel or at least in my experience i felt a little bit drained the other way around where like you're always wondering like oh did it land did it connect did they were they bored like were they moving around because they didn't enjoy
0: it but No, it felt felt nice. What if music is a way to connect? What if community programs from opera companies were more than an attempt to get kids to fall in love with opera? Traditionally, opera companies have sent singers into schools or community organizations with a view to education to teach people what an aria is, why opera is in Italian, and the like. There was teaching, and then there was singing. And I hope that through education, we would create new opera fans that view is changing. We no longer call this work outreach, but engagement. Success is counted not in new opera fans that we might be making, but in the quality of ongoing relationships that create a better and healthier community for us all. The singers worked with several mentors to prepare themselves to change their approach in community. Gwenna Fairchild-Taylor, who's a civic engagement artist with Opera Omaha, and they also heard from a panel of experts in community work from the Royal BC Museum here in Victoria, the Intercultural Association, and the Victoria Native Friendship Centre. In my final interview with the singers, I asked them to respond to one-word prompts, and I wondered what shifted for them over the last four weeks when I offered them the prompt, community.
4: You know, when I would think of community engagement before, And opera, I thought the only way that it really exists is, you know, school tour. I'm going to dance in front of people and they're going to look at the dance. I mean, I'm not dance but sing, but like that in that transaction. And I think my perspective on that has shifted that it's more than just bringing music to people, but like, I want to, I think I want to envision community engagement as like ways we can use music or any other skills we have to connect with other people in specific communities?
2: Yeah, I'd say it's um, continued engagement and relationship building. And the opera part comes after. I think those are the most important steps. And once you are building a relationship with someone, then they're interested in your hobbies and your interests, and then you that's how you build a relationship. And so I kind of think That's the way forward with that.
3: I think the community aspect is like something that I've been thinking about that, like we don't create opera in a bubble. Like we are all part of a community, whether that be like a regional one or like something to do with our own identities. But just like keeping that at the forefront of my mind when I am in an opera space, like that we don't exist in this like bizarre, strange, like little bubble.
1: I think when I used to think of community engagement I like would think of two extremes like on one hand like the school tour that Micah mentioned like sort of like the bare minimum of doing opera just somewhere that isn't the main stage right like that that is one and then the other would be like community engagement that's like like more akin to like social work which is stuff that we've explored in this in this program where like the art side or the opera side of it is like super, super backseat. And it's really about like solving like community problems and in a way that like, yeah, a social worker often would. And I think during this program, what I've also then been challenged by or like really been thinking is like, is that just like the two realities or or is it like this whole continuum in between and like projects can always have community engagement as part of it. And depending on the project and the community, there can be more or less all the way to you know, thinking social problems first and foremost to just taking it out of the theater, that there's all this stuff in between, that there's just like, needs to be space for like the questions of community engagement, that that's part of the process, that we're not just asking what's the music and who's doing it, but also what's the community, how are we engaged, to what extent are we co-creating, etc.
4: I think also like another thing I've, I'm thinking about right now is like, how can we keep asking ourselves, how can the idea of using community meet our, our music making and creative endeavors. Outside, uh, like beyond, going beyond thinking that community engagement is a way to get opera out there. But like community engagement is a way is like, a, can be another, another prong of how we are artists. Making music, making art by engaging with community as, a, as like a, a thing we take really seriously and something that can be valuable. Aside from like community engagement being a way that we can like get bums in seats, so that more people know what opera is.
3: Totally, I want to jump in on that as well. Like, um, I think like as members of community, the art that we create will inherently be for that community, and will create more connection within that community. So I think like the whole process is like cyclical rather than transactional.
0: And what about the land music project? What impact did that process have on them? And what are they taking away from those conversations with the Indigenous mentors?
4: Something we've been talking about, I think, both with the land and with my elders or with my lineage. We, something that's sort of been sitting with, I've been sitting with, is the, this idea that both the land and inside of me ha, is like this history of everything that's come before, both in my ancestry and, and, and in the land specifically, both historically and I guess naturally and physically and that that in itself is a place to draw from both with creativity and and power and insight maybe and to remember that that is there not to ignore it I think that's sort of something I've just been really asking myself like, where can I draw on for creativity and how can I bring that into, how can I use that to show up every day in what I do? Instead of just thinking about my singing as like an athletic activity about being perfect and good. Cause like that makes people psycho, <laughs> makes me psycho.
1: I, I found myself challenged with my history all being in like Northern Alberta with a lineage of, of... Um, you know, essentially like somewhat poor farmers, that my my relationship to land can can even be like a bit antagonistic. That like I'll I'll actually think of like land as like something that really needs to be manipulated for, for survival.
0: It's interesting because it occurs to me that if your family with their farmers, you come from farming people, they actually have a pretty serious relationship with land.
1: Extremely. Yeah. Extremely serious. I mean, you can't even like my grandparents are are aging and we can't even like get them to leave the farm, right? Like the farm is like life, right? There's it There's elements where, like, probably that the age where, like, their lifestyle would be a bit better if they were just, like, in town, a little closer to, uh, like, like my parents or uncles and aunts or their kids, right? Just to get a little more help. But, like, the thought of leaving the farm is, like, unimaginable to them.
0: And obviously, as you say, your grandparents won't leave the farm. They love their land.
1: They love it. Absolutely.
2: I think it even comes back to what we were talking about today, how everything informs everything. So your mind informs your body and the land informs your spirit and your your being. And interestingly, I mean, nature and being outside of the city has always been a place where I've found release. And I was actually going over some music and I found that I've actually written a whole bunch of pieces about like finding peace and land before starting this before starting this project and they kind of have a new a deeper understanding I think in in um, how important it is to have respect for that and going forward I just need to make sure that I think about like where I am more I don't think it's something I did at all unless I was in nature (laughs) you know so no matter where I am understanding that history and being thankful and gracious for being able to be where I am at any given time. And so that's something I'll, I'll take with me.
3: Well, I guess the thing that's popping into my head right now is kind of how I feel about acknowledging the land that I'm on versus how I felt at the beginning of the process. I would say that at the beginning I felt really nervous and like I would make a mistake and that I would be disrespecting the stewards of the land that I'm on. Oh, did I mispronounce that? Did it like, was that appropriate? Is this okay? Worried about like the, I guess the convention of it, But through this process, I've realized that that is probably the least important part of a land acknowledgement is the convention. Actually, it's detrimental (laughs) because if land acknowledgement becomes conventional or routine, then it doesn't serve a purpose. In our sessions with Lindsay, or at least in my session with Lindsay, she had me write a journal entry to Mother Earth and... I loved that exercise I wrote and wrote and wrote and um, when we came back she said essentially that is a land acknowledgement when you are in the position to acknowledge the land that you're on in the future think about what you just wrote channel that and you will be speaking from the heart and that has made a, a huge difference I think in the way that I view land and how I exist on the land.
0: Thanks for joining me today, and exploring the world of the civic artist. You can check out the videos from the fall that the Civic Engagement Quartet made. These are on our website, and the program is called Music Alive. And their current project, Land-Based Music, will be released May 14th, and you can also catch that on our website. And there are more videos in the works. The Apprentice Quartet, which are four local singers, had the opportunity to shadow the artists in the Civic Engagement Quartet in the fall. And this spring, they received mentorship from those same artists and a chance to create their own music video. It will be a little bit shorter than the Civic Engagement Quartet, which was around 15 to 20 minutes per project, and they have a single song that they're sharing but it did give them an opportunity to also explore what it is to tell personal story and create recital video and share those other images that help them tell the story in B-roll film. You can see the first of the Apprentice Quartet videos already. It's I. Horton's video. That is also on our Music Alive site. And there are three more to come, two in May and one in June. You can check our website for details. I also want to encourage you to check out the playlist on Spotify. Every podcast has a Spotify playlist that accompanies it. I usually ask the singers that I've spoken with to share music that has mattered to them. But this time, since we've heard quite a bit from the civic engagement artists over the past season, I thought it might be nice to profile and highlight the mentors in this particular program. You'll be able to find music in this week's Spotify playlist from our three Indigenous mentors, and also from the mentors who help in looking at how to work in community as a civic artist. The next podcast, of course, will debut on the first Friday of the month as usual. Thanks for listening and be safe. Until the next time, I'm Rebecca Haas for Pacific Opera Victoria.